back on the Fan Morning Show. Sports at 590 Fan, I don't want to cut into the song. When I was 16 years old and like toying with the idea that I have a life in poker, you this was like the, this, this was the biggest song in my life. You gotta know when to fold them, et cetera. No one to I hold thought you were going to come in, yeah. Um, if you yes. nailed the lyric, I yes, would have yes, yes, considered yes. it. Sorry. I was put on the spot there. The music cut out. I just go with my gut. You were singing the whole break. So I was. I, I mean, you, we're can, get some one, good you suggestions. can get one lyric wrong. We're getting some good suggestions at 590-590. We'll keep taking those. Um, I'm hoping that we get the winner with our next guest, our insider, brought to you by Don Valley North Lexus, where you can expect excellence online and in the showroom. Visit DonValleyNorthLexus.com. It's Kevin Barker, former MLB first baseman, host of Blair and Barker. Now, Barker, we're looking for a new intro song for June, something in the country genre. I'm feeling like wow. you have listened to some country in your life. <laughs> Maybe you have some suggestions for us. Yeah, you can never go wrong with Chris Stapleton. Oh, so yes. Some of, the, some of those songs are tremendous. I mean, mm-hmm. it's, a, it's, it's a very uh, – country music is a very moody song mm-hmm. like you got to be in the mood to listen to whatever country music song you're going to listen to early in the morning that's a lot to ask yeah right? but we'll get so some pump up ones you may, <laughs> yeah you may need to you know you need need to do a little more more digging than just picking a a, a typical name so i love not, chris this might not be the easiest thing this may not be the easiest thing you're you're you guys are trying to poke at here yeah stapleton might not work but you had one we we might have a front runner or a leader in the clubhouse uh hillbilly deluxe brooks and dunn is a favorite of mine and it's got it wow. needs to have a little bit of like a intro we can't just start with the words because you know we gotta let it lead in that's a good we one need 30 seconds to wake up what was i thinking dirks bentley another one of my favorites and he's coming to town next week so we might be leaning towards that so you can just let us know kevin if Very you think of cool. anything be a little i will country guy what was the what Absolutely. was the walk-up music barker I didn't have any. I, I wasn't good enough to have walk-up music. Not once. Wow. Let's, let's, Just no. silence, eh? No, no. Even, even the, even, I wanted to sneak up on him. I wanted uh, yeah. to go back, back like City with nobody knowing. Right. <laughs> Just incognito. Uh, well, That's okay. it. All right. We like that. Um, all right. So you guys got your show now at 5 p.m. How has the life change been? A little different for you. Yeah, it's good. Well, normally I get to sleep in other than today. <laughs> yeah, I know. So, I appreciate yeah. you getting yeah, up early. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's been it's been great, right? I, you know, I, it seems to be people seem to like us five to seven, mm-hmm. and and you know, yelling back and forth about the Blue Jays. <laughs> it's it's they're right now easy to yell about. So we we do have a lot to talk about, and and you know, we try and put a different spin on it than most people can, which is a good thing. So yeah, it's it's been it's five to seven. It's been okay. We're uh, I, I always say as long as Jeff's happy, everybody else is happy, yes. and it seems like he's happy. <laughs> there you go. That's how I operate here as well with Ailish. <laughs> Uh, per, uh, perfect lead into Blue Jays games, and the and nice little thing is, if it starts at six thirty, like it did yesterday, maybe, you know, a little bit of a shorter show. Uh, but you guys are the perfect uh, duo to lead us into Jays games, and you're the perfect person to ask about. You say Kikuchi. Uh, if you look at the month-to-month splits, it hasn't been all that favorable here in May uh, for you say Kikuchi. So I'll ask you, what's been different between April Kikuchi and May Kikuchi? Yeah, look, I, I just don't. Sometimes, you know, we get asked that all, all the time. I don't know what the expectations are for you, you say Kikuchi, right? Is, is it go out and dominate, give you seven scores? Not for me. I mean, if, if he if he's giving you a chance to win a baseball game late, which is most of the time what he does, he's not going to fall overboard and give up 15 or 20 runs early in a, in a start. He's going to battle like he did last night, right? He's overthrowing the slider. 
uh, arm side is a big deal for him. You know, he's very rotational sometimes, which means he leads too much with the shoulder. Arms playing catch-up, ball goes all over the place. And then you see the a lot of three-ball counts. You see him not being able to command the fastball. You throw fastballs down the middle of the race, Rays are going to hammer you, and that's exactly sort of sometimes when he's struggling, that's what happens. Last night, for me, it was more the slider. He's choking that thing off too much. He's not – really doesn't have a great feel for it. What is it? Is it cutter? Is it slider? Does he want to throw a slow breaking ball? Like, you know, the secondary stuff that he wants to have break, I just don't think he's – really in tune with where he wants to throw it, how hard he wants to throw it, you know, when he wants to throw it. Like, there's a lot going on there. Fastball command is convicted to it, right? He's throwing harder now than he was last year because of the mechanical changes. He's a little bit more fluid. If you guys can remember, he was a start and stop guy. He'd lift the leg, he'd stop, he'd start it again, and then his arms playing catch-up, and the command was just all over the place, and then you'd see a lot of three and a third you know, three and two-thirds, and then they'd have to destroy their bullpen. So this year, at least he's a little bit better at that. He's given them a chance, which is sort of what you want from your number five guy. I said this, and I'll continue to say it. Him and Jose Barrios, some of the time against good lineups, look the way they're supposed to look. Like they battle, they, you know, try and add and subtract. You're trying to set up the right uh, catcher behind the plate to put the, you know, it's not fingers anymore. You're pushing the buttons, and you're just trying to have a better flow to, like I said, give your team, your lineup, a chance to to win a baseball game late. And for the most part, the four and five guys are doing their part. I got to be honest with you guys, it's not the pitching. Like, we can come on here and say it's, you know, why is Jimmy Garcia giving it up for me? He's got too many pitches. You can say, well, when you're throwing Nate Pearson in the eighth inning, when you, you know, why is Jordan Romano throwing too many sliders? For me, it's not the pitching. It's, it's the hitting, for the most part, is just consistently. Now, last night, Shane McClanahan is a different animal, and you'll give him a hall pass for that. But for the most part, the last, I don't know, 20 games here, lineups just not been good enough, like consistently not passing the baton. Guys that were good last year, for the most part, Kirkies of the world are mm-hmm. just not having better years this year, which they, I think, were banking on. For those guys offensively to pick it up and, and you know, help carry a team for a couple of days. Kirky's not an aircraft carrier. He's not going to give it to you a week. But I think they were expecting him to help out for, you know, two or three game span where he's four for five with a double the other way in the eighth inning, scoring a run and helping to win a baseball game. And right now it's just not happening. So, uh, look, we can spin it any other way you want to spin it right now. They are the worst team in the American League East. You guys tell me, do they look that way? They do to me. Yeah, I think you're you're spot on. I mean, statistically, yes, but even the eye test, right? We always talk about eye test first numbers, and I think the Blue Jays are certainly looking like the lowest in the AL East, and they uh, have the stats to prove it. Um, okay, let's go. let's go to uh, the offense then, because I think you're right. Uh, pitching is one thing, but the Blue Jays haven't been able to put up runs except for their 20-1 to win on Tuesday, and um, I think we tried, myself included, tried to spin that there's, you know, there's going to be a, a trickle effect into last night's game, but uh, didn't see that. Um, where does it start? Is it Springer needing to, to pull it up? Is it uh, Vladdy needing to get more consistency? Like, if you're trying to pinpoint where this needs to start improving, um, I guess it starts at the top of the lineup, but it, Springer is someone that we have circled ourselves. Yeah, I don't I don't know about you guys, but for me, they're not a finished product. They don't have a cleanup hitter. Matt Chapman's not a cleanup hitter. Mm-hmm. Dalton Varsho absolutely is not a cleanup yeah. hitter. I mean, they're asking way too much from him. I said this at the beginning of the season when they started him off hitting clean, cleanups. Too much to ask. You got the three donkeys in front of you, and you're a young guy coming over – 
trying to make his way, well, what are you going to do? You're going to try and be like the three donkeys in front of you. And it's a lot to ask, right? Coming up on base and, you know, he's got more at-bats than any other guy with runners in scoring position. We, we all know the issues that they've had trying to do that. I think that's where it sort of starts, right? They're not a finished product offensively. They're missing something. Jeff seems to think they had a trade that fell through and sort of Dalton was the last resort and this is what you had to give up and this is what you're getting. I Who knows if that's true, but you just look at it on an every single day basis. Matt Chapman is a career 250 hitter. At the end of the season, he's going to be somewhere around that. He may hit a few more homers because he's made some mechanical changes. We know that, right? He's you know, has a little bit better flow and momentum and, you know, he's trying to have maximum damage with the baseball and he can do it with his lower half the way it is now. Well, that's good, right? But he's a career 250 hitter. He's had enough at-bats. He's been around long enough to basically he is what he is. It's a lot to ask a guy to drive in 100 runs and be a run producer. That That's that's sort of the thing for me they're missing. Bottom of the order, it is what it is. Danny Jansen, when he's healthy, is what he is. Whit Merrifield's two-hit wit. He is what he is. He's going to be on base a lot. He's going to be creating havoc because somebody running around the bases like crazy. I I don't I just I hope what, what we're seeing, I, I hope this is not the ceiling, right? I uh, look, you, you take away I've been in some games where you're blowing some people out and, and you know you're facing a couple of position players, which is a joke. I, I who who wants who wants to see the best team in baseball with the best record with the best offense punting down nine runs in the eighth inning. I don't know about you guys, but it ain't me. Right, I, I think that's a disgrace for baseball. Last maybe, you know, people get a chuckle at seeing the dude getting lit up and Vladdy coming up with no batting gloves, treating a at bat like it's a softball game. I, if that's what you know toots everybody's horn, go for it. But that wasn't me, so I I didn't take a ton away from that just because they were facing Shane, Shane McClanahan the next day, and when he has his breaking ball and arm side command with the two seamer, it's going to be a long day, and it was a long day. I what I hope is I hope this is sort of not too late. We had Alex Anthopoulos on, and I asked him, "Is it too when? It, when is it too late to to make a big move?" Because if you if you look at what the Blue Jays have in the minor leagues, they don't really have anything. It's not like they can go to a a guy in the minor leagues hitting three thirty with fifteen home runs and and can come up here and be a spark, right? Oh, he's young, he's flying all over the place, he's hitting home runs in the eighth inning with two dudes on. They don't have that. So how how is Ross Atkins going to go out? It's obvious. It doesn't take me and a bunch of smart people to come on shows and say they're missing something. They're missing something. How do you go out? When do you go out? How can you go out and get what you need to be that guy? That for me is, you know, if Ross can do it, he'll end up being the MVP of the team. They have enough talent in their lineup. They just are missing that guy, right? That guy that you want to come up when the game is on the line. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is supposed to be Aaron Judge. You guys tell me, is he Aaron Judge's here? Not for me. I mean, maybe that's not fair for us to compare him to it. But again, I get back to that thing where when you're making trades and trying to be better defensively, you realistically think that what you already have when it comes to the superstars, that's the first three guys in the order, are good enough to carry your team. And I think one of those guys starts with Vladdy. And right now... He's not Aaron Judge. He's not Jordan Alvarez. He's not Freddie Freeman. And I think they were banking on that in the offseason, and for whatever reason, he's gotten off to a slower start. Yeah, I think it's pretty clear, Barker, that they they have built their lineup like Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is Aaron Judge. I mean, you saw that Yankees lineup. Like, it's not the yeah. it's not the thing. It's not the lineup that we saw at the past. It doesn't terrify you unless Aaron Judge is at bat. Uh, but Aaron Judge is Aaron Judge, and he can carry you through a four-game series in Toronto just on his bat alone, and Vladdy has not been able to prove since 2021 that he can do that. 
However, like you said, they have enough talent. I mean, I look at this team and what I'm watching them, especially against the Rays, who, oh, by the way, have the power and speed that Blue Jays don't in that they lead the league in home runs and stolen bases right now. I find myself asking, like, where's all the talent gone? And, you know, maybe they weren't, maybe it wasn't so that, you know, they've bled talent and all these trades that they've made, at least recently, have been clear, clear misfires. I think there were flaws in those players as well. But I'm looking at this team that is not supported by the system, does not have enough talent on its roster right now, and I can't help but look at Ross Atkins and be like, how did we get to this point where there's simply not enough supporting guys like Vladimir Guerrero Jr. and Bo Bichette? Yeah, I mean, that's fair. Uh, again, I, I, I say this, Jeff rolls his eyes at me all the time about run producers. You know, the at-bats are different. Yeah, you get to take a brain surgeon to watch a baseball game and tell that a pitcher treats an at-bat differently whenever a guy stands on second base because that guy can take money off his table, right? You know, it's it's not so much those at-bats with nobody on base. I may not attack your weakness. You know, I may not want to give things away, but when that dude stands on second and he can score, I'm going to attack what you can't do well, right? And it just seems like, for whatever reason, some of the guys that you expected to come in here and do certain things, the fastball up, the slider away, like, you know, it's, it seems to be sometimes it's a collection of a bunch of things. It's just not one thing. And I think that's for me is sort of what you might be able to point your finger at. They're a good team. And I said this again with Jeff when we started making our picks. Are they a great team? Are they one of those teams to start the season that could go on a 15-2 and two run? And I raised my hand and said, I just don't think they're capable of doing that. 15-2 and two run, that's what you need in the American League East. Now, we didn't expect the Red Sox were going to be a, an above 500 team. We obviously didn't think the Orioles were going to be a second-place team and one of the best teams in baseball. Not just the American League and the American League East in baseball, but they are. And now it's, you know, you're sort of having to go on one of those 15 and two runs. And it, would it just be one person, right? They need an eighth inning guy. They need to be able to take Swanson and Garcia and hybrid those guys to where now they can put them in pockets. You can tell it's just not being able to throw them against the meat of the order. The split finger seems to right now not be good enough. Jimmy Garcia for me throws too many pitches. You got a married ninth inning guy. Now you need an eighth inning guy. It's a lot. Like mm-hmm. you, you, now, all of a sudden, you're expected to get a hybrid, a a, a hybrid, uh, maybe another guy like those Swanson and Garcia, an eighth inning guy, and also a run producer. A lot of guys are going. A lot of teams are going to be looking at that now the, because there's four teams in front of you in the American League East that are good. You have competition from those four teams that need exactly what you need. They could use another bat. They could use another eighth inning guy. So it's not the easy. I mean, it's easy just to come on these shows and go, "Hey, Ross needs to do this, that, and the other." Well, I would ask you, what would he trade for to get it? There's nothing in the minor leagues well, that's that people want. Ricky, Ricky Tiedemann's hurt. Like, the, you're not going to trade him. What else is down there? There's nothing really down there. Arevis Martinez, right? He's hitting a buck 50. I mean, he hit some homers. You hit a buck 50 in double A. Mm-hmm. It's not like, you know, people are just, just standing and jumping in line to trade for him. So, you know, you got you got to have you got to have something to trade for to get what you get. And I'm afraid you we may not see this. We may be stuck with what we're seeing and it may be just up to the guys to figure out what they can figure out to try and go on one of those 11 and 2, 13 and 1, 
16 and three runs and fingers crossed. Maybe they can do it. Yeah. I mean, I, I think you're definitely right. There's not much there, but that's on Ross, isn't it? Like we're talking about the failures of this organization that they don't have that supporting stuff. It's definitely on uh, the current regime. And I guess I'm cherry picking one lineup here, but yesterday was a big game against Shane McClanahan and Ernie yeah. Clement and Nathan Lucas were in the lineup. And I was just like, how did we reach this point where there's not enough talent on this team to put up a good lineup in a big game against a guy like Shane McClanahan? Yeah, you're thinking long-term again. You know, we got, we got some calls uh, about Kevin Kiermaier not playing. I think he'd played five days mm. in a row. He'd played a game on, on turf. Uh, well, he's, a, he's a well-known guy for getting hurt, right? And they're trying to basically force 120 to 130 starts in center field out of him. This was scheduled already. Like people are calling in, going, "Hey, why, why, why is Nathan Lucas playing where he's playing? Why is Kevin Kiermaier play, Kevin Kiermaier not playing? They have a high performance department who basically plans this stuff out, knows this stuff in advance. That if he plays this amount of days on turf, he plays this amount of days in a row. This dude ain't playing that day. Like th- this is what I said." because it is a marathon and not a sprint, and some of the main guys that you count on are notorious for getting hurt and not staying on fields, you got to do things. And sometimes it looks like no matter what their record is, that why are you doing it? It's This is sort of what it is. I mean, Springer was playing. Bo was playing. Vladdy was playing. Chapman was playing. Whit Merrifield's playing. Like, you have enough of your everyday guys that they should, again, be able to string together some quality at-bats, run into one. They brought the 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 at-bat in the eighth inning with Matt Chapman against the guy that throws the sinker with first and second. That's the at-bat, right? Their brain, this is what I said. The pitching is doing enough to allow them to, to have that at-bat to where they can change the game. It's up to those everyday guys to have a better at bat, right? It's when you're facing a sinker, which is what Matt Chapman did in the eighth inning, and he throws you an OO sinker up, that's the one you swing at. You don't take it. And then 2 2, you have to swing at it because it's with two strikes. And what do you do? You roll over to the second base and out of the inning. That's sort of what happens when you're in last place. And maybe that's the reason why you're in last place. We're talking to Kevin Barker, uh, Blair and Barker now at 5 p.m., airing weekdays, uh, your pregame show ahead of every Jays game. So let's look ahead to tonight, um, or today, sorry, 1 p.m. game. Um, we've got Alec Manoa on the, on the mound. Uh, he's had a lot of big moments this season that he hasn't really really risen to the occasion of uh, tonight or man, I keep thinking tonight today is another one of those opportunities um, to get a series split here. Did you see enough in his last outing that he can build on here? Where are you at with Alec Manoa um, so far this season? Yeah, it seems like Danny Jansen's hurt. I, I, Danny Jansen called more fastballs. You know, mm. fastball sinker, it's not married. You have to be forced to throw the slider because it's not any good. The only way it's going to get better is if you throw it. Not really. I mean, if you locate the sinker, it has better movement. You can throw that into a righty. You can go up and away with a four-seamer to a righty. You can backdoor the two-seamer to a righty and then throw the slider. If you throw and command better with the two fastballs, that would mean the slider you don't have to be as fine with. You can get away with some stinkers. But guess what? He ain't catching today. And you might see Alejandro Kirk, you know, elevating the four-seamer, throwing the two-seamer in, maybe non-competitive and going right back to the slider. And maybe you see a four and a third, a four and two-thirds, and you're seeing high pitch counts because of the buttons being pushed. So, yeah, look, I this is sort of, I think, what we're, I don't want to say married to, but I'm with you. This is I said this last night after the game. For me, Alec Manoa's season starts tonight, today. 
enough of the, you know, he's working on frontside pull. Uh, he's having a great bullpens between starts. I don't know about you guys, but I don't care anymore. Like, I, mm-hmm. I don't want to hear that. He is expected to be the number one, and they force-fed force it on us because of who opened the season starting, right? Yeah. He was the opening day starter. Everybody knew it should have been Kevin Gossman, but because Alec Manoa was a finalist last year and he's homegrown, you're going to give him the opening day start. Okay, that's fine and dandy. But for me, because of where the team's at, Alec Manoa's season starts today. I'm I'm done with the slider and, and you know, mechanically he's falling off to the first base side and, and repeatability and, ah, he's a big leaguer. He's an established guy. I don't care about that anymore. Now it's performance-driven. The, these these things, right, it's, a, it's about forget about what you don't have. Show us what you do have and go out there and get through a pretty good lineup. The Rays, you can pitch to them. They're very, very aggressive. If you make quality pitches, have late movement on the sinker, throw the uh, a few more competitive sliders, maybe be decent with arm speed on the changeup to righties and lefties, which seems like he likes that, especially when Kirky's catching. Okay, go out there and show us that, right? So, Hopefully they get that. I'm sure they will. I think Alec Manoa, even in his bad starts, at least gives him a chance to have a Matt Chapman at bat in the eighth inning. Hopefully they give him that. They can have a split here. I mean, it just seems like, you know, everybody wants to, you know, worse the Jays came to right now that we're having these victories of splitting series <laughs> yep. when we, we were thinking that they were going to win a World Series. But you got to start somewhere. And for me, at least, I'm going to say it right now, Alec Manoa's season starts today. Whew, I love it. The same amount of fire at 7 a.m. that you do at 5 p.m., uh, Barker. Appreciate you joining us. And uh, big game today. And we look Absolutely. forward to listening uh, later you, at 5 p.m. You guys are great. Good luck with the country music. Yes, good, thanks good luck. so much. <laughs> All right. All right. Thanks, Barker, uh, former OB baseman, co-host of Blair and Barker, of course, airing weekdays at 5 p.m. now, uh, pregame show ahead of every Jays game. And uh, our insider brought to you by Don Valley North Lexus, where you can expect excellence online and in the showroom. Visit DonValleyNorthLexus.com. Good submissions from Barker. Some good submissions coming in on the text line. I think think we know what we're doing during every break on today's show. Just jamming out. Ayla screaming at the top of her lugs. Screaming. Some good ones here, folks. Singing, I meant. Singing. (laughs) Yeah, not screaming. Um, I love love that Barker sees today as as big of an opportunity as it is for Alec Manoa, even though I feel like we've had this conversation before almost every one of his starts. How many more times can it not be? It's arbitrary, right? But it is a big, it is a big moment, or it could be a big moment. I guess it could be negative as well. It could be a disastrous moment, dropping three or four in the position that you're in. But it seems like there needs to be some sort of turning point here, something that sparks. He's got to be Brady Kachuk, Matthew Kachuk, I mean. There you go. And if Alec Manoa is brilliant, I could see that. And again, momentum, next day's starting pitcher, all that stuff. Mm -hmm. But if Manoa had a brilliant start, turned the corner, truly did start his season this afternoon, I think that would be massive for the Blue Jays. As big of a, like a single uh, development could possibly be for this team right now if Manoa got things started. All right, Manoa on the mound for Zach Eflin. That's at 1 p.m. on Sportsnet. Sportsnet 590, the fans streaming on sportsnet.ca slash 590 and the Sportsnet app. And the Blue Jays head to Minnesota for a three-game series against the Twins starting Friday night. So 1 p.m. getaway game. Just leave work early, folks. You get permission from Justin and I. You have a meeting. It starts at 1230, and you'll have to leave for the rest of the day. So enjoy it. Um, (laughs) The Chew On, brought to you by Great Canadian Meats. Yum, yum, yum. Yum, yum, yum. 
Daily Faceoff, our buddies at Daily Faceoff have predicted some of the next contracts. There's a lot of UFAs. Oh, where's Michael Bunting at? Mm, there's a lot of UFAs that we'll start to turn our attention to now that the playoffs are starting to wrap up. Um, earlier, we spoke to our buddy Frank Saravelli this year where he came out with that blockbuster article and said that Michael Bunting was the number one hottest free agent this season. Well, he's shifted down to five. Okay. Fifth on the ranking. Um, and so in collaboration with AFP Analytics and DailyFaceoff.com, there's an article out projecting what these deals could be this, this summer. I'll give you Michael Bunting. Go for it. Fifth overall in terms of the top free agents. Can I guess? Yes. Six years, $24 million. Okay, you're making me do math. Can you do the average... Six times four. Oh, you're wrong. He, they have have predicted five years, five twenty five. Five twenty five. It's a hard pass for yes. me. That's twenty six million dollars. That's a lot of money, right? Can I give you the ninth ranked free agent, Ryan O'Reilly? Like, come on, Ryan O'Reilly's getting more than Michael Bunting this offseason. Is he? He should be five times five. Bunting should be settling for four. So he is five times five, but three years. Three years, five and a half. Okay. Patrick Kane is on this list. Um, Below Bunting? Below Bunting, ahead of Ryan O'Reilly at eighth. Um, Tyler Bertuzzi. So a lot of people really want Tyler Bertuzzi to come to the Leafs. Tyler Bertuzzi should make more money than Michael Bunting. He is second. Orlov should be up there. He is second. Matt Dumba. Matt Dumb is not in the top 10. What? Orlov is third. Tyler Bertuzzi is second at six years, 525. Well, hopefully uh, the Leafs can look at this list and be like, hey, Matt Dumba, come play with Morgan Riley. You don't need that much money. Mm, there you go. He's not, I don't see him on the top 10. Come on. So can the Leafs afford to keep Bunting and O'Reilly? Can they afford to grab someone like Bertuzzi who might be available? Well, we didn't talk about O'Reilly, but I could not believe how quick he wanted to exit the door for when he did his post uh, season scrum on media. He had day. to get to Clinton. Like it just seemed like there is no chance I'm coming back here. I already Justin. made my decision. Well, you watched it. Know, Everybody else thinks that. Let's call his dad again. Let's yeah, get Brian. Brian. Come on, Brian. Let's get Brian back on the show. It's the time of Ryan's check life. The vibes. I know. I mean, the Clinton guy. We thought that there could be something cooking there, but I was stunned. We'll I was like, wow. Like not not even trying to hide it. Not even toying with the idea. Okay, don't bring that negativity on here. Yeah, we moved past it. All right, um, lots of texts coming in here. We've got Kyle in Woodstock saying, to go with Barker's suggestion of Chris Stapleton, I'd go with the song Parachute. It has a good intro with good vibes. I love that song. Um, Shania Twain, Waking Up Dreaming would be a great song. That's Zohar in Halifax. How's it going, Halifax? Um, Take Me Home Country Road is the best. That is a text in from Heath in Leslieville. Um James Donham, Wine and Whiskey. That's Anthony and Hamilton. I don't think I know that one. Uh, oh, a great one. Tim Hicks, Stronger Beer. I used to play that one all the time at school because it's like basically saying Canada's better United States. We'd blast mm. that one for our American friends. Um, thank God I'm a country boy. John Denver. That's Austin from Cremor. So send those in. Uh, Fishing in the Dark, Rob Downtown. Love that one. Bit, bit slow. We need something with a little pop. It's 6 a.m. when you hear this thing. It's not 3 p.m. on a dock at Lake Joe. It's a little kickstart your day, all right? Mm-hmm. Send those in at 590-590. Uh, we got 
couple more guests to get through today. Um, Brendan Tobin's going to join us, host of Tobin and Leroy on AM 560 WQAM. That is in Florida. The voice, the broadcaster of the Florida Panthers, we need to get a pulse on the state of Florida in general because it is hot down there in more ways than one. And Miami Heat could clinch a finals berth tonight. You saw the Florida Panthers sweep the Carolina Hurricanes last night. What's the scene like there? What's it like covering? It's like a, it's like a dream to be covering two teams in the final. Will we ever get and the day? And an unexpected one, too. They have two eight seeds. Will we ever get the day? And they're going to two championship series. Can you imagine likely. if we were coming on here being like, Leafs just made it to the Stanley Cup final. Raptors are in the in the, the NBA championship. We wouldn't be sleeping much. <laughs> Goodness gracious. Um, all right, let's talk, and uh, we'll feel jealous once we talk to Brenda Tobin, who's getting to live a nice dream down south. Diving deep into Leafs, Raptors, Jays, and NFL, the J.D. Bunkins Podcast. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, back on the Fan Morning Show, Sportsnet 590, the fan, Justin Cuthbert and Ailish Forfar. As we mentioned, Miami is having a moment right now. Two eight seeds likely to play for championships. So we got to talk a little Miami sports with our next guest, Brendan Tobin, co-host of Tobin and Leroy on AM 560 WQAM in Miami. Good morning, Brendan. Good morning. How are you guys doing? Uh, we're doing not pretty as good. good. As you. Yeah, Damn. we're not not quite doing That's as good fair. as you. I mean, we, we got a lot of like dis- <laughs> it's it's always interesting in Toronto, but we got a lot of uh, you know negative stuff to talk about. Yeah. And for you guys, it's been like yeah. strictly positive lately. So, what is it like in Miami when Miami is in fact having a moment? Uh, it's on fire right now. Everything is just, and, and the thing that's just made it crazy is that just it's every alternating night, which we were very nervous about. You know, when both teams advance, we're like, well, are we going to be able to watch these? Is everybody going to be able to have their own night? Because you know, sorry guys, when the when the Leafs uh, series was going on, I was watching that while while I was in the arena watching the Knicks, and a little nerve wracking to try and pay attention to both. And uh, you know, I, I think to have what's going on right now is really crazy because they've been, you know, really good games, but it's, they've been pretty stress-free situational series because both of the teams have got out to commanding leads. So it's all just kind of felt like a sports drunken haze, a bit of a party every single night, Uh, a, a quadruple overtime game won't help with that in the midst of it, but it's, uh, it's incredible. You know, we've never had anything like this happening at the same time simultaneously um a lot of that has to do with the panthers but um now they're here and and after a a lot of heartbreak a lot of you know blueprints they uh they finally made it here even though it was a struggle to get to this point this season so the quadruple overtime game so you're on the air at 10 a.m we're on the air at 6 a.m i i don't know if we would have been able to do it uh did you get to catch it all i guess at that point you're probably just exhilarated watching uh your team uh, you know capture that win but what's it like watching quadruple overtime in real time oh it's it it it, it was pretty painful because you're just <laughs> like how is this how has there not been a result here and it's just both teams you could just tell are exhausted at once you know at one point you, and you're going it didn't help that during every break like wayne gretzky was just the hemming and hawing, like just about how tired he is. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. I need you to bring more more energy, Wayne. There, there needs to be a little bit more here. So, <laughs> yes, it was uh, it was it was a, a long, long night. But once you get the winner, 
and uh, Kachuk just goes off the ice. Uh, you <laughs> kind of forget about it for a minute. Okay, clear something up for us, Brendan, because uh, we watched as Brooks Kepka left some golf announcer like hella confused uh, when he called the Florida Panthers the Peas. Do yeah. they in fact call the Panthers the Peas in Miami, or is that just strictly a Brooks thing? I feel like that's just strictly a Brooks thing. Uh, <laughs> nobody calls them the Peas. We all refer Good. to them as the Cats. Uh, I've never heard anybody call them the Peas ever. But listen, Brooks is uh, on his other level. He is a very passionate Panthers fan. You know, so much that he was uh, he was getting into beef with Aaron Eckblad at one point this year, uh, which apparently they've squashed. But we were all very confused when we saw Brooks kept to bring a parking cone to a Panthers game this year. Why is he doing that? Is he really is he trolling? Does he know Aaron Eckblad? And apparently he did not. Aaron Eckblad did not find it funny at the time. But uh, apparently all parties are cool now. And uh, that dude, yeah, he loves him some cats. I've never heard of the peas though. <laughs> He's had quite. Quite the I was like the Penguins were the peas. Yeah, I, I think you're right. Uh, yeah, and that makes more sense. Um, he's had quite the uh, social media presence as of late as well. You know, there's that video of him clapping, not blinking. Like, <laughs> it was crazy. He's, oh, yeah. he's living it up there. Uh, Justin brings up, Brooks, I got to ask you uh, on the golf uh, question here. You have to pick four or a dream golf foursome. So three others of uh, Miami or, or Panthers players to get out there and hit the links with who you picking. Oh man, um, can I go all time, or do I have to, uh, or just let's get, go I'll current? I'll go current, current. current. I go okay. I gotta go Kachuk for sure. Seems like a yes. party. My guy Sergey Bobrovsky. <laughs> um, I've been talking to Sergey mm-hmm. for for four years down here. Everybody hated his guts, so I'm really really happy for Bob to be at this point. Uh, even though I don't believe he he golfs, <laughs> um, but we could talk fighting. I know that oh, he yeah. likes uh, so we could we could just hop hobnob about that. Got to bring the butcher, Radko Gudis, just in case any shenanigans go down. Uh, And I will go with, uh, I'll bring Maurice too. Maurice just seems like a, he seems, he seems like a party and I feel bad. I feel bad. I ripped him earlier in the year, and uh, and I, I I need to answer for my. Yeah, you owe him a beer. He he might punch you though. You see the, like the little left, or I think it was a right. Actually, he just yeah. like <laughs> just just punches assistant coach after uh, Kachuk's winner yesterday. Uh, yeah, Maurice has been quite the story. Former coach of the Maple Leafs, so we know him reasonably well. And yeah, he definitely. Uh, soaked up all the attention he was getting in Toronto over those couple days. I want to ask you about Bobrovsky because if a goaltender was getting paid eight figures to play for the Toronto Maple Leafs and played the way Bobrovsky has, like he's lost his starters job every single year since he's come over to the Panthers, at least at one point uh, there, there, there would be riots. Like they would absolutely, absolutely hate that goaltender. If he played for the Toronto Maple Leafs and you said, yeah, he's, he's pretty hated, but I wonder about the narrative around him. Like, was it toxic? Had it gotten toxic or is Bob, you know, kind of allowed to be Bob in Florida? It, it it was pretty bad, but I, I feel like it, it was it wasn't even just a fan thing. Like I remember with Quinville here, um, it wasn't it wasn't great because yeah, you're paying him all this money. Uh, at one point, loses his you know his, his job to Chris Drieger, and you always just like would hear these subtle jabs that Quinville would throw, like oh you know Jay, you know Drieger's so big in there, and, and you know Bob's not a big guy. He's like six one. He's very very skinny. Um, and I was just found that weird because he's more of an, a you know a guy with his agility. He does a lot of these gymnastics things to to prepare, and you know he'd go on like little mini runs, but then just things would just uh, would, would would just go poorly for him. And you know he especially his first year was the worst year, which is not great when you get a seventy million dollar contract. <laughs> um, 
But, you know, the, the, the guy just never seems to mentally waver. That was the, one of the things I've always marveled about with him whenever I sat down with him. It's just, it was always just like focus on the next thing. You know, you, you know, you control what you can control. And yeah, it just always felt like there was either a Drieger or there was a Spencer Knight who was coming for his job. And then this year he was playing lights out at one point this year. He was, he was like above his career numbers. And then like, it just kind of fell off. He got sick too and injured in this Alex Lyon just kind of comes up and he's on an absolute heater um, you know, and you don't want to mess with things because they were fighting for their playoff lives. And you're just like, man, I mean, that might be it for Sergey. So for him to come in in that, in that Boston series and do what he did is, is pretty, pretty crazy because it seemed like maybe, uh, you know, his run was coming to an end and it's just, it's really great to see him. I mean, a guy who's been in the league that long and, and has definitely won some big series, um, yeah, because it was bad here. I, I don't know if he had the, the, the quite the backing of the organization at one point. It did feel like every year somebody was coming for his job. And this is, I think, what everybody knew he was capable of. And I will say to, to, to Sergey, the last time I talked to him this year, he really did like the style that they were playing. He, he loved what Paul Maurice was doing. I think it's kind of what he was looking for the entire time here instead of this run-and-gun style that they had where, you know, it's going to be a 6-4 game, but we're going to get down 4-1 before we go and win 6-4. Um, and, and I think that he really, he really bought into what Paul Maurice was doing. It's just a, it was a case of health. And then Alex Lyon just was having a, a hell of a run at the end of the year. Well, between Bobrovsky and Kachuk, it's kind of been back and forth. Who's stealing the spotlight? Uh, Kachuk with game winners and Bobrovsky with shutouts and keeping the, the streak alive. Um, Matthew Kachuk has been obviously, you say, like the firepower, the, the, the rowdy leader of this team. But we were talking about it before we had you on the air. Just the way he just, okay, I'm going to dominate this game. I'm going to put the puck in the net. I'm going to skate off the ice and say bus and 10. Like he has brought such an energy to this franchise. I wonder how the you know, the, I guess the community, the fan base has embraced what he's been able to do, um, especially in his younger career here with the Florida Panthers. Yeah, it's, it's been incredible because he, he's just got that charisma to him on top of just being awesome. You know, I remember being at his intro press conference this year and the guy was already putting his attention to hating the Tampa Bay lightning (laughs) as a, 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 you know, as opposed to Edmonton. So it's like, you know, that he just, you know, it's pandering, but it's like, you know, you need somebody to kind of do that to to just like, say, I get the market. You wanted to be down here. Uh, You know, I think, you know, seeing a guy, you know, 24 years old, wanted to be in the South Florida market and and, uh, was just kind of a great ambassador during all-star weekend as well. So he's taken that mantle uh, in a big, big way. Whereas, you know, our, our, our former fate or our current, our current captain, but like Barkov was, He's just kind of been here and we all know his excellence, but like you won't see a bark off commercial down in South Florida. Like he's just, he just keeps to himself. He'll go to some heat games and just minds his own business. And then just is really good at hockey. But it's uh but, but Kachuk, I think enjoys and embraces being the face of the franchise and being the vocal leader, you know, that whole speech that he had back in Boston. And he says, just remember this room. He just got, he just has this gravitas to him and, you know, three game winners in this series. The guy's been an absolute maniac. Um, and, you know, you have Jimmy Butler wearing his, his jersey on off days during his workouts. Um, and I think that he's been a big part of that to just, uh, to just get not only the support of the fan base, but get the support of the other teams down here. He's been an absolute rock star in every which way. 
So if there's one thing all three of us have in common, it's preparing for radio shows. And I wonder, like, I'm trying to think you're every other night here or every night, rather, watching a, a, a meaningful game as they alternate between the Heat and Panthers. And I guess that could kind of skew what you're talking about because you're talking about the previous night. But I do wonder where the Florida Panthers sort of fit into the equation. I mean, the Heat were, are such this incredible story. Uh, the NBA is clearly bigger in, in Florida and the United States than the NHL is. So, like, what fraction of the coverage are the Panthers getting as the Heat are doing this simultaneously with the Florida Panthers? Oh, today's a different type of day, man. Like, listen, when, you, when you're going to a championship, like, you're getting probably, like, 80-20. Like, it's, you know, it's, you know, I have, uh, like, literally on our show, we have two segments that are sponsored Heat segments, so we're going to talk Heat at some points. But, no, it's going to be... Cat fever, people calling in, going crazy about it. I, you don't get, like, as you know, you don't get days in sports radio like this. Like, it should be a celebration. That's what today should be. It should just be, you know, hearing from listeners. It should be people going crazy because you got to remember these. These are always my favorite types of shows when you can just celebrate. And, yeah, we, ha- we have been lucky down here that we've gotten a lot of it between, you know, the Hurricanes going to the Final Four, FAU going to the Final Four, um, you know, the heat doing what they're doing and now the Panthers, you know, it's, it, it really has been a, a special, special time down here, especially with everybody kind of in lockstep with it. I, I can't remember anything like this where everybody's doing it, but look, this is always going to be uh, a, 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 you know, a, a heat and dolphins town. Those are like the, the dolphins are the heritage team. The heat have had the most excellence uh, over a stretch of period of time. So yeah, naturally more people, care about those teams, but what the Panthers have done has been a fun experiment because they have finally for their first time had this growth of really good hockey for like the last four years. And it's been step-by-step and there's been some frustrating because you're getting your teeth kicked in by the lightning every single year. And to finally get to this point, um, you know, after you're getting the, to the, the best record of the regular season last year to now, yeah, they, they, they have, they have, they have built a, 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 Nice, dedicated fan base down here. Uh, certainly when Toronto's in town, all the Canadians that come down here, they certainly infiltrate that building. I'm not going to lie. But they, uh, you know, last night it was standing room only, people going nuts, rats raining down. <laughs> it's been awesome. It's been, it's been an awesome thing to see, and, uh, and this market really has embraced it in a big way. Where does everybody buy the rats? Well, look, you could buy a rat at Party City. You got to sneak it in. The Panthers did this thing where, like, they used to, you used to be able to bring rats galore, like, <laughs> but you got to get crafty with it. That building, they like, they, you know, they won't even let uh, the, you know, people bring in purses that mm-hmm. aren't clear, so you can see everything in there. So, you know what they're trying to do? They're trying to be like, hey, you got to buy your rats as soon as you walk in, because one of the things when you walk into the Panthers arena is the first thing that's there is the souvenir shop. You literally walk to the souvenir shop as you, as you give your ticket, and because they want you to buy the rats Smart. as you walk up. <laughs> All right. Well, we don't have anything of that sort. We uh, we did see some things getting thrown on the ice in Dallas, uh, which were not rats, more like uh, full beer cans. But uh, you guys got the good vibes going down there. Um, non-sponsored heat segment. We'll ask you about Jimmy Butler because uh, we are enjoying the Jimmy Butler experience from afar. Uh, if you've got Matthew Kachuk with the vibes, you have Jimmy Butler with the vibes for the heat as well. Um, what's it been like covering him and how he's different from other superstars? He's just got a cool charisma about him as well. Yeah, Jimmy's a Jimmy is a, a great guy to cover. Um, if you like trolling, if you like, if you if you buy into it and you know what he's doing, like it, it's it's fun to cover because he's never going to give the media what they want. He's always just going to march to his own beat. But 
you know, I just always find him to be a, a really honest guy, a, a, a fascinating dude to talk to because you'll go in there after locker room uh, and he's got this giant speaker. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's huge. That is cranking music the entire time. And it's usually like, it could be anything from Whitney Houston to Kane Brown to uh, Taylor Swift. You never really know what's going to go when Jimmy has the ox. Um, and the, and he is not happy when, when it gets lowered for, uh, for other people's <laughs> media sessions, because that guy just wanted, he just had a game. He just wants to vibe out. Um, but he, uh, he, he's another one. Like he is, it, it was, it, it was always going to be a tough thing to be the guy who was going to take the mantle from Dwayne Wade here, because you don't get another Dwayne Wade. He is, he is Miami's Michael Jordan, but you know, Dwayne had a huge influence on Jimmy coming here. And it's really been nothing but excellent since he's been here. I mean, three conference finals, staring at, you know, going to his second finals berth. Um, he's embraces everything the organization has about the hard work and stuff. He's doing, you know, two-a-days on off days to, to get ready for the game the next day. And, you know, I, I think one of the things I've really noticed this year more than any year, and I think it, it, it kind of started with the 56-point game, he has just a uh, – he, he has just a – a control of that crowd in a way that I don't know if any superstars have. Like we all just watched LeBron and Dwayne Wade's excellence. We saw Alonzo Mourning and all that, but Jimmy almost can play to the crowd and get them riled up because of the trash talk he's throwing at an opponent or, or just, he's on an absolute run and the fans just go nuts for him. They follow his lead, which is, is pretty, usually the fans are the ones who are egging players on. He's usually egging the crowd on, mm. which is a, a really cool thing to see. He's, he's been awesome. Um, you know, and, and everything is, uh, everything that they do, it's because of what he influences into them. Are you guys treating our guy, Kyle Lowry, nice down there? I think, uh, there was a little rumblings in the market about a little dissatisfaction with how he'd performed, but it seems like he's been, uh, the, the guy who helped the Raptors win a championship or at least in that vein, uh, for the heat during this run. Yeah. And look, man, I'll tell you, um, Kyle Lowry's first year was really, really tough. He was going through, he was going through some personal stuff. Um, but really like in the early parts of his first season with Miami, you know, when Jimmy was out, when Bam was out, it was a, it was a big part of them having the record that they did, which was a one seed. But, you know, then he goes and ends up leaving for a couple of weeks, comes back, has some health problems. And the Kyle Lowry they had in the playoffs last year was a, a shell of himself. And then this year, you know, he uh, has a workout in the offseason in Vegas. He gets in a much better shape after, you know, kind of gets called out by, uh, by Pat Riley. Um, Bam starts working out with him. So he, you know, talked to him before the year. He's like, yeah, I'm just going to be a lot more comfortable this year. But you can just tell in his play, like, I don't know, something wasn't right. Is he just, is it just age? But apparently he was dealing with a, a big knee injury. So they just basically shut him down. But in the meanwhile, he's dealing with a ton of trade rumors um, it, it, so you're wondering, is Spoh's not playing him in any fourth quarters? And you're wondering, like, all right, is, is Kyle Lowry's time coming to an end? But it was funny enough, the reason he's here is Jimmy Butler. They're very, very close. He, Kyle's the, the godfather to Jimmy's, uh, to Jimmy's daughter. And, you know, Jimmy had this quite, he was asked about the trade rumors. And, you know, he answers it, you know, I don't know what's going to happen. You control what you control. But as he leaves, he's in Jimmy Butler fashion. He kind of, like, looks off, looks to the ceiling, goes, but he ain't going anywhere. And I think that was kind of Jimmy saying, you're not trading my guy. And once Kyle came back and came off the bench, he's been, he's been excellent. He's been excellent. He's been an absolute menace. Tom Thibodeau didn't know what to do with him in the playoffs. Uh, he was, he's leading the heat in blocks in the, in the, uh, in the, uh, in the playoffs. 
He's, uh, you know, he's brought all of that stuff. Uh, you know, you'll still see from time to time, like these one day turnarounds are tough for him and Kevin Love. So it's like, you kind of are wondering which guy is going to show up on a given night because, you know, age is, is still a relevant thing there. But, uh, but no, Kyle's been a huge, huge part of the reason they are where they are as well. Uh, last one for you, Brandon. You guys have celebrated five series victories so far between the Heat and Panthers, possibility for a six tonight. I wonder, though, which one has been most satisfying so far? Bruins, Leafs, Hurricanes, Bucks, and Knicks. Which one has felt the best? Um, we hate Boston down here. And, and beating that team that was uh, was was historic, supposedly historically great and coming back from 3-1 and them choking has been probably the sweetest. But beating the Celtics will probably top that because, I mean, the arrogance of that city is just... <laughs> yeah, we hate, we hate Boston. I, I, think we, I, I think we all can unite on one thing, and that is we all, we all don't like Boston. Mm-hmm. And so that'll always be the most satisfying thing. You know, I used to be saying the Knicks, but it's just like there's such a delusional fan base. Uh, and I just, you know, I almost feel sorry for them with how much they get, they get happy about the dumbest things. But, uh, but, but taking Boston out in both sports, I don't know if anything could top that. Well, we're rooting for you. We want it to happen. Yeah, I was going to say. Take down a, Boston. Just, it's been a spring full of great moments, and the best is yet to come, it seems, if you're going to beat Boston on the way to the NBA Finals. Uh, Brandon, this was a lot of fun this morning. Uh, have a great show today, and uh, hopefully we can catch up down the road when maybe you're celebrating two championships in a double parade. Yeah, enjoy that. <laughs> well, we will. Thank you. All right, take care. That's Brennan Tobin of Tobin and Leroy on AM 560 WQAM. That is a mouthful in Miami. Yeah, it's a, it's a lot. Um, wow. You laid out that they had won five series in the last month or two, and he had to think about which one was best. Yeah, I think he, what like, a joy. He, he like forgot about a few, too. What like, a privilege. Are they thinking about the Bruins anymore? He hates Boston. He didn't even mention the Bruins. Yeah. That's true, too. You get to be two Boston teams on the way. It's just, it's, we can dream, Justin. But he, yeah, he mentioned how exciting a day like this would be in sports radio to come on and have your fans calling in. We had that for a moment. We had a nice series win and we had Mm -hmm. that moment. We listened to your lovely voices on the radio and it was On a Saturday night and, you know, a little bit of the champagne tinge wore off by Monday. It was still exciting, but like, Let's do more of those in the future. Every morning, (laughs) these guys are throwing a party. Oh, what a life. Um, All right, we've been been talking country all day. We've been talking music and let's keep that going with Dirk's Bentley ticket giveaway. Coming to Bud Stage on June 1st, part of his Gravel and Gold Tour with special guests Jordan Davis, Molly Tuttle, and Golden Highway. We're giving away tickets every day until next Tuesday. So to enter, just listen to the Fan Morning Show for our daily code word. Text that in at 59590. Today's code word is feel that fire. Feel that fire to 59590 right now for your chance to win. If you don't win with us, be sure to secure your tickets at ticketmaster.ca. Feel that fire, 590590. And best of luck, June 1st, Dirk's Bentley. I'll be there. Can't wait. Party with Forzy. <laughs> that is not guaranteed, but I will do my best. But possible. I will do my best to find our winners. How about that? Um, all right. Feel that fire. 590-590. Uh, Julian McKenzie is going to join us on the other side of the break. Uh, speaking of fire, Flames reporter at The Athletic. Let's learn about wow. nice. somebody that is in the city of Toronto, maybe interviewing for a GM job. Mm. Mm. That's next with Julian McKenzie.